Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 230th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, throw away to Worthy! Worthy 5! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan! They're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're here with you guys. We're inside 24 hours away from Carolina, tipping off in what's going to be a make-or-break ACC tournament for the Heels if they want to go dancing in the NCAA tournament. They've got Boston College coming up tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on ESPN2, and we're here to break down that matchup, tell you everything you need to know about Boston College. Get you up to speed on everything involving Carolina. Take a look back at the first matchup and give our keys to a victory and and much more. But we start every preview edition of the pod, as we always do with our pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And we use this at the start of every season. And we used it last year during the tournament run. And we're going to bring it back for what we're hoping for is a long and an extended ACC tournament run. It is the foundation of this program. Um, it's it's what uh, we we believe in. It's what we live by. And when Carolina does these things, they typically are a really tough team to beat. And that is simply the thought of play hard, play smart, and play together. Uh, coined by the legendary coach that is coach smith and you know look for a team that's got to you know for the most part at least make it to saturday night to give themselves a chance to hear their name called on selection sunday um look all three of these things have to be displayed over four days they've got to play extremely hard they've got to play extremely smart but they've got to play with a level of togetherness that we just haven't seen so far this season. And that's the biggest reason why Carolina is where they are right now. Um, before we get to the Boston College game, though, with the ACC tournament officially 
underway. The the league did hand out their awards for the 2022-23 season. And uh, even though Carolina was 11-9 and nine in the league and they're the seventh seed in the tournament, they still had four guys either get honors or be named to the honorable mentions. Um, and you start with Armando Baycott. He was a first-team All-ACC member. Uh, not really a surprise as he was the most consistent player for Carolina all season long, top five in the ACC or top five in the country in double-doubles this season as he averaged a double-double once again. Um, Leaky Black did not win the Defensive Player of the Year award. Wasn't even really, uh, it wasn't even really all that close in the voting either, but he was named to the all-defensive team. And then R.J. Davis and Caleb Love both were honorable mentions for conference honors. Uh, I truly believe if if R.J. wouldn't have suffered that injury in the Syracuse game, he would have at least maybe found his name on the the you know the third team All ACC team because up until that injury, he had really turned his season around individually, and was a big reason why we thought Carolina was starting to look more and more like the team we wanted to see back in November. So with that, I will welcome in uh, my co-host here because, buddy, we had an article up on the website, HeelToughBlog.com, and there was a lot of there was a lot of feedback on the article. A lot of people claiming that Baycott and Leaky Black got snubbed. There were a lot of people that um, didn't understand why Caleb Love was even mentioned in anything that was positive because of how disappointing a season he has had individually when you look at the awards that were given out and you look at what Carolina players received what awards and when what mentions did you have a problem with any of the awards that the league handed out on Monday uh yeah majority of them to be honest with you uh I don't I will say this I had a problem with who got the award just from the analytical side of things, of me watching games, I did not think that Isaiah Wong should have won Conference Player of the Year. The problem is, is that the guy that I think that I thought deserved to win it um, is a guy that we played on Saturday night. I thought Kyle Filipowski should have won that award. Um, I know there are people that will try to make the case for Armando. And I mean, look, I get it. I, I think there's certainly a case there. Um, he had an argument and that's why he received as many votes as he did. But, you know, it, it's it's going to be hard for a guy like him who, you know, had a had a had a good, really good season, but his team did not play anywhere near what was expected of them. They come into this game on. Uh, the wrong side of the bubble, according to every expert out there, it, it was going to be hard for him to win conference player of the year. Uh, Leaky Black not winning defensive player of the year. Now, that just does not make any sense to me. He is, I mean, just so much better than Reese Beekman could ever think to be on the defensive end of the floor. And Reese Beekman's a really good defender, but Leaky Black has shown, you know, time in and time out, no matter who you play him against, who he's matched up against anywhere from the one to the five, he can defend that player and do so at a high level. I don't really understand how they went with Reese Beekman. Um, I, my thinking is it probably comes back to Carolina just not being all that successful. 
But my thing with it is, is that if you watch those games, clearly the defensive end of the floor was not Carolina's issue this year. Um, they they actually looked really good on the defensive end of the floor for the most part throughout the season. There's, you know, some late game, you know, scenarios where they probably could have been better. We asked for a little bit more. But other than that, I think defensively they did what they were supposed to do. So that one I take issue with. Uh, and And then – you know, when it comes to the guys that received honorable mention, I take issue with both of those guys. Um, the first one, R.J. Davis, how R.J. Davis only received 26 votes tells me that the people that are voting on this award should not be voting on this on, on these awards or all ACC teams. These people are morons because the, how how that dude is not either a member of the third team, which I think he should have been. I think he should have been in there very easily over Jesse Edwards from Syracuse. I watched Jesse Edwards when we played them. I was not all that impressed with him. Um, and I think that R.J. Davis is a better player than him. So, yeah, I think he should have been in there. And then with Caleb Love, I don't really understand how he got 21 votes. I, that, that, to me, is insanity. Like, this dude... You know, and it's not piling on Caleb, but this was a guy that did not take a step forward in any sense this year. You could say, well, look at the scoring average, but that's just because of how, you know, the volume of shots that he put up. And, you know, there's there's a who knows what his scoring average would be if he didn't hit some of those shots late in games in garbage time of games that just were were were, were the final result was already set so yeah I, I i mean i i had an issue with a lot of stuff that went on but you know ultimately i think the thing is is that when you're a team that doesn't live up to expectations that everybody throughout the country had for them which was not only to you know win the acc regular season title but to also be back in the final four at, at least and in many people's minds win the national championship it's hard to be too angry about guys getting snubbed. Yeah, I mean that that was kind of my thoughts. Um, the one I had the biggest issue with was Leaky Black not being the defensive player of the year, simply because Carolina's entire defensive structure is built around him. Whereas with with what Reese Beekman does at Virginia, it is team oriented defense. Like every single guy on their roster defends and defends at a very high level because if you don't, Tony Bennett won't recruit you, let alone play you. Whereas for Carolina, I mean, Leaky Black is as good a perimeter defender as this this program has seen since David Noel, Danny Green, and those Marcus Ginyard and those guys. And he's that important. Um, it's it's the only reason why he starts is because of what he does for you on the defensive end of the court. And when, you know, you you take the ACC's leading score out of the game like he did uh, against Hunter Tyson, among other just the, the defensive performances so far this season, I, I, I thought he should have been the defensive player of the year. He won't get it in the ACC, and he wasn't even a finalist for the National Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, either as I'm as I said with RJ and being an honorable mention, do I think he's one of the 15 best players in the conference? Yeah, I do. But I also look at how uneven his season was 
with the slow start, and then he gets healthy, gets re-injured, and that 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 caused his numbers to dip again. I could understand it. Um, and then I actually also agree with you about Filipowski being the player of the year. Um, because on in, in, in the biggest game of the year, which was the regular season finale between Carolina and Duke, he was the best player on the court. And um, th- throughout Duke's season, the year he had is the big reason why they are where they are as, as we enter the tournament, uh, both here in the ACC and getting ready for March Madness. So um, that's that's the final thought on all the ACC awards. Hopefully there will be numerous Tar Heels earning uh, conference tournament honors when all this is uh, said and done come Saturday night. So now let's dive in. Carolina's first matchup in the tournament, and hopefully it won't be their last, comes against Boston College, who beat Louisville today in the 10-15 matchup to advance to the second round. Earl Grant now 3-1 and one in the ACC tournament in his two years on the job. The Eagles enter with an even 16-16 and 16 record. Um, they went 9-11, and 11, or no, yeah, they went 9-11 in the ACC. As I mentioned, they beat Louisville to advance to the second round. But one thing to note about this Boston College team is they're without their most important player. That's Quentin Post. He was their leading scorer. He suffered he suffered an ankle injury. He will not be competing with the team this week. So when you take him out of the equation, they only have two guys that are averaging double-figure scoring, uh, led by Makai Ashton Langford's 12.1 points, 3.4 rebounds, 2.8 assists. He's shooting 41% from the field and 30% from three. And then Jaden Zachary, uh, he's the other guy, 10.5 points, 3.2 boards, 2.6 assists, 41% from the field, and 34% from three. You know, um, I I was dialed in. I watched the game today against Louisville. And even though it wasn't the prettiest of wins, usually the first day of the tournament isn't pretty basketball because there's literally no energy in the building. Um, The thing that still stood out to me was this team plays hard. And this is, this is a team that has bought into the message and the vision that their coach is trying to get across. And this was a team that last year, you know, started on Tuesday and made it to Thursday. So they have some confidence internally that they can come here and compete and compete at a high level. And I, I, I expect them to compete and give Carolina a challenge again tomorrow night. When you look at this game from a Tar Heel perspective, the Heels enter 19 and 12 overall. They went 11 and nine in the ACC coming into the conference tournament. They find themselves on the first four out according to ESPN's Joe Lenardi. Um, a win tonight doesn't change that. Um, they, I mean, they, they may have to win three games for that to even change to where they're even last four in. We we just don't know. It's going to be, you know, really nauseating hope watching the bubble, but none of that stuff matters unless Carolina wins and extends their season. Um, the Heels do have four players that average double-figure scoring, Led by Caleb Love, 16.7 points, 3.7 rebounds, 2.8 assists. He's shooting 38% from the field 
and 30% from three. The big fella Armando Baycott coming in second on the, the scoring list, 16 and a half points, 10.8 rebounds. He's shooting 55% from the field. R.J. Davis, 15.8 points, 5.1 rebounds, 3.3 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 34% from three. And then Pete Nance, hopefully he ate his lemon Oreos after the Duke game. 10.1 points, six rebounds. He's shooting 42% from the field and 33% from three. And some averages of note to, for Carolina. Uh, the Heels averaged 39.9 total rebounds per game. That's good now for seventh best in the country and 28.6 defensive rebounds per game, which is eighth best in the country. Um, so with that, guys, we've now set the scene for tomorrow night's game against Boston College in the ACC tournament. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest offer we have from our show sponsor, DraftKings. And when we come back, we'll take a look back at that matchup back in January, then give our keys to the game and pick the game. All that and more coming up next on the Four Corners Podcast, back after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus, in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three porn that's going to be made by Stephen Curry or, 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 or you know, John ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is. Do all of these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all those great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Let's go back to that first matchup between these two teams back in the middle of January. It was a 72-64 win for Carolina in a game that Carolina won mainly because they hit 10 threes. They were 10 of 29 from three. Meanwhile, Boston College did not make a single three. It snapped a streak of 1,000 and. 120 games that Carolina didn't allow a perimeter made basket against them. Um, but even though Carolina made 10 threes, they shot 43% from the field and 40 uh, compared to 48% for Boston college. Carolina was just 10 of 17 from the foul line. Um, so it was, you know, they got outscored 38 to 30 in the paint. It just wasn't a pretty game. You know, Carolina, even though they, they never trailed in the game. They if they just kind of slept walk. And Boston College made it, I think it got as close to 56-55 in the second half. 
before Caleb Love made some pretty big plays on both ends of the court, and Carolina was able to squeak out a win. And, you know, when you go back to that game, um, it was really frustrating that Carolina played as poorly as they did. But I also don't think we we recognize that Boston College was becoming an improving team led by Quentin Post. Um, and Quentin Post in that game, who, who won't be on the floor in this game, had 17 points, was 7-11 from the field, and grabbed five rebounds all in 20 minutes because he fouled out. So, you know, he was a he was a difference maker on the court. And you have to imagine if um, he would have been on the court for an extended period of time, that might have been a different outcome. And on the radio show that I work uh, that that I produce, we had ACC uh, legend Mike Jaminski on a few weeks ago, and he identified that if Quentin Post was healthy, that he would have identified Boston College as a team that he could have seen making some sort of run in Greensboro. Well, they've already won a game, and they'll be able to have some confidence when they look back at that first matchup and say, "Hey." You know, we were on the road in Chapel Hill with a chance to win the game with five minutes to go and our best player, you know, battling foul issues. And then, you know, they they, they got a win yesterday, so they will show up, you know, not as fresh as Carolina, but their confidence will be as high as it's been all season long as they try to get back to Thursday of the ACC tournament. So, you know, buddy, when you look back at the first matchup and – how, how ugly Carolina played in that game. You look at where both these teams are now, where Boston College is just playing the role of spoiler, while Carolina has all the pressure in the world on them. How how do you just – what's your mindset as a fan entering this game? And are you maybe a little bit more, I guess, uneasy about Carolina's chances to emerge victorious after seeing Boston College take down Louisville earlier today? No, because I thought that they would take down Louisville. I honestly thought it would be a little bit easier, although that was when I thought that Quentin Post was going to play. Um, as far as I know, he has not been ruled out yet. So that that Carolina's got to prepare as if they are that they will have to face him. So, I mean, that's that's the challenge here. That's to me, that's the bit that's the biggest determining factor here. Because without him, I mean, he was the most improved player in the ACC. He took home that award uh, the other day. Without him out on the floor, I, I mean, they're just – they're a different team. I mean, I know, you know, Jaden Zachary, who played good – very well against us the first time. Um, you know, he's going to be a factor in this game. Uh, Makai Ashton Lankford – you know, they, they, they've got some guys that when they get to the basket can do some things. But ultimately, without Quentin Post, this is a team that Carolina should be able to beat. Uh, the thing is, is if he plays, you know, I think that this is one of those games where I've kind of said it. I think if Carolina wins this game, I, I could definitely see this team making it to the final. But it's one of those games where I could also see Carolina coming out in this one with all the pressure that they have on them and losing it right out of the gate. So it's just, again, it goes back to what I talked about. And I, I, I don't think that the game against Duke, it was an issue. But it goes back to what I talked about after the Notre Dame game, which is the mindset of this team. Are they Are they hungry? to get into the NCAA tournament, to 
quiet all the doubters. And, you know, I, I mean, at this point, look, we, we backed ourselves against the wall here now where it, making the making the tournament at this point would be a success in terms of where they're at right now. That That's the only thing that you can worry about if you are this team. So you have to be in the mindset of we're going to do everything possible to get to that point and make it into the NCAA tournament. And if they come out with that mindset, I think they should be able to win this game. But Boston College is a scrappy bunch. We've seen before that playing on the first day of the tournament can can help some of these teams. It, it allows them to sort of get into a, a little bit of a rhythm. And there is usually always at least one team that gives a team either, you know, a, a heck of a fight or pulls off an upset. So Carolina has to avoid being that team in this game. Uh, I, I think they'll be they'll, they'll be ready to go because I, I think you're going to see a much different approach to this game than some of the other ones, even late in the season. I have a feeling that if Carolina comes out slow in this game, you will see Hubert Davis make a lot of wholesale changes just to try to find anything because Carolina's season is literally on the line in really uh, – to me, probably in just about every single game that you play. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think they're aware of that. Um, at least I hope so, because I, I think if if they attack at this game the right way and every game the right way, they got a favorable draw um, to to get to Saturday night because they match up very well with all these teams. It, it's just all about, it's just all about the mindset and trying to come off the, the, the low of losing the, the game at Duke uh, on Saturday. It's just a complete 180, you know, from where we were this time a year ago, where we were worried about could would Carolina be able to, you know, come off the high of beating Duke and be ready to play in, in an ACC tournament. And they did that. They won one game, lost their next, and of course went on the run to the national title game. This one, they're coming off another disappointing loss. And now they're entering a situation where they've got to win, you know, at minimum three games to probably qualify for the, for the tournament. And, you know, they're, they're, it's not like this team is much deeper than they were this time a year ago so it's going to be really difficult but you know with with as experienced as this group is you would like to think that experience at some point this season would pay off hopefully now that hopefully that time is now with the ACC tournament going to be you know what's going to decide whether they go dancing or not so with that we'll move into our keys to the game and the first key I have written down is is Carolina needs to get off to a fast start um, I don't think they can afford to come out and sleepwalk. I don't think they'll have to worry about that because uh, I do think that there will be a large contingent of Tar Heel fans in the building, as there always is when Carolina is playing anywhere, but let alone in the ACC tournament in its rightful home, which is Greensboro. And I think Carolina's just got to come out and set the tone and – you know, had they done that on Saturday against Duke, I think that game would have went completely different because Carolina was locked in defensively. They they finished the regular season or they they finished the ACC portion of the season 
the second best defensive team in the conference over over the 20 game sample size uh, in terms of efficiency. And that was on display again the other night where they were just they were I mean they competed their tails off. It was their offense that 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 let them down again. Well, Boston College is a scrappy team. They, they they're going to they're going to make Carolina earn everything that they want to get and Carolina's got to start fast and go ahead and just get some rhythm get some rhythm but more importantly just play with some confidence and not put yourself in a situation where in the second half every possession is is life or death for your 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 tournament hopes and so i would like to see this team and i think it's imperative for this team to come out right away and punch Notre and, and punch Boston College in the mouth. Something that Carolina had done in their previous three wins before they lost to Duke in the regular season. Yeah, I mean that's that that's got to be a part of the game plan because in in the games that Carolina's won really throughout the entire season, uh, it's it's been games where Carolina has been playing wall ahead, and you know I, I think. You're, you're hoping that the shooting returns, and that was one of the big reasons why Carolina was able to have some success during that three-game winning streak, but I, I, there's there's not a guarantee here. Now, look, I think, and I think it's very obvious, and it should be to these guys as well, but at this point, who really knows with this squad? If Quentin Post does not play, there is a pretty simple recipe to this game, which is to attack the post as often as possible. Um, and that's, you know, your, of course, Armando Baycott. Um, I think one of the ways that you can sort of get Pete Nance back into a rhythm is to play him a little bit more on the block in this game, especially if they're without their big man. And you want to see your guards drive the basket. Uh, that that needs to be part of the game plan for Carolina because there there is no guarantee that these shots from the outside are going to fall, none at all. Because we have been, you know, we we have said this the entire, you know, throughout the season. This is just not a team right now that is going to be able to get in a rhythm shooting wise. Um, if they're going to make a deep run in the turn in, in in the NCAA tournament, it's going to have to happen. But there, you know, there there are a few games here that Carolina should be able to grind out, even if they don't have the greatest shooting nights, and this is one of them. So uh, I, I think you're right; they have to get off to a fast start on really both ends of the floor as well. This cannot be a game where you let Boston College come out and build off of the momentum that they were able to build today. I, I mean, look, clearly wasn't Boston College's best game either. Um, against a Louisville team that I think you got to give some credit to them because they fought, but a team in Louisville that is still just downright awful. Uh, and they showed it again at times today. So uh, for Carolina, it's just, you know, you you want to dictate the pace of this game uh, coming out. And, you know, the good news is, is that it almost will be like a home game. There were, there, there are some games that Later on in the tournament, if you keep advancing, could end up more like neutral site games. But for this team, this game, it, it, you're going to have basically be the home team with the crowd that's going to be in attendance. 
Yep, yeah, nope. I, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, and the second key that I have written down is for Carolina to play inside out because with no Quentin Post, they lack size and they lack depth in that front court. And so Carolina has got to exploit that. Whenever Louisville played inside out today, it was successful. But like so many teams in modern basketball, they want to play uh, on the perimeter and they're just not good enough to beat team from the perimeter kind of like Carolina where Carolina this season just hasn't been consistently good enough from the outside to beat teams and so um I think this is a, a course with with Baycott it starts with him but even Pete Nance like and look it's important that Pete Nance has to it's important for Pete Nance to hit those perimeter shots because it opens up the floor and stuff like that. But this game feels a lot like Notre Dame, where you just got a lot more size, you got a lot more length. Utilize it. Beat them up on the interior. Play high-low. Just play play that style of basketball. It may not be pretty. Carolina's best offense might be their second-chance offense, but I, I, think I, I think I speak for all Tar Heel fans involved here. Um, I, I don't think I want to see Carolina come out and shoot 25, 30 perimeter shots in this game. It just doesn't it doesn't make sense. Even for Carolina's guards, get downhill, play at the rim, get them in foul trouble. Makai Ashton Langford picked up three first half fouls in, in today's game against Louisville. So if you put the pressure on them, because they compete so hard, they're gonna foul more often than not. And so you know, I just I, I wanna see. I want to see Carolina play that that way. And, you know, I know I said after the Notre Dame game that I thought if they went high-low and they played three around two, it saved their season. Then they came out the next two games and they shot lights out from three. So they got back in that mindset of thinking, well, we can, we can win this way. And then they couldn't make anything against Duke on Saturday, shooting 22% from behind the three-point line. So now I'm saying let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to playing the way that this roster is best suited to play. And I think if Carolina does play inside out, it makes it a lot harder for Boston College to beat them over a 40-minute basketball game. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's what you would think. Um, the problem is if you go back to the first game of the season – between these two teams, Carolina shot 60 uh, – they took 61 uh, shots from the field. 32 of them were from inside the arc, 29 from beyond the arc. So you would imagine that they're probably going to think they have to come out with a similar game plan. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I said it just a minute ago. And, uh, look, when we say that, we're not saying that if shots are open – if they are good, if if you are creating really, really good to great shots off of the way that you are moving the basketball, you shouldn't be taking those shots. Part of it is just that some of those shots that are going to be open, you just have to make them because you didn't the other night. You had opportunities and you weren't able to knock them down. But you need to see a more aggressive mindset from this team when it comes to sort of forcing the issue. I feel like what we've seen a lot here, especially in the second half of the conference season, is that teams have really just said, okay, we're going to pack it in and sort of take away what Carolina wants to do, basically force them into threes. And this team, 
does not seem to try to find any solution to attack that. Part of that is coaching. The other part of that is that at times it looks like it's there and they still just settle for shots. It's, it's you know, way too early in the shot clock. That, that That's the other thing for Carolina in this game is just when it comes to the shot selection, just be smart. We saw that again the other night that Carolina was just rushing things. Um, there's guys that are taking shots way too early in the shot clock when they don't really need to force the issue. So for Carolina, it's just you, you have to play a smart game on the offensive end of the floor uh, if you're going to win this game. And I'm with you. I think playing more uh, more two, three around two, it makes a lot more sense. Um, it, it's just, you know, we'll, we'll have to see if Carolina is actually willing to do that in the, uh, you know, in this game and, and moving forward, I just, to me, it makes the most sense for a team that is struggling to shoot the ball the way that they are. Why not make it a little bit easier? Why not get more high percentage looks? The thing is though, when you get those high percentage looks, you have to be able to finish them. We saw that be an issue again the other night against Duke. And that was something that earlier in the season when they were playing at a conference wasn't really an issue. We thought, okay, that was one thing we talked about in the offseason and in the preseason that this team needed uh, to take a step with. We thought, okay, they had. And as the season has worn along, that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case. So, for Carolina, they, they've got to find a way uh, to play more inside out, and when they have those opportunities at the rim, to finish them. Yep, nope. Uh, everything right there, I, I I agree with 100% as well. It's just you, you got to be tough enough this time of the year if you want to play meaningful basketball. Um, yep. And that's been, I think, my biggest frustration with this team throughout the years they just haven't been tough enough they've been they've gotten out tough far too often for my liking and that's why I think they're they're where they are in this game my, my last really it's not even really a key but my last the last thing that I think it's important for Carolina to do in this game is be able to to play and manage the game to where you can give your guys rest. Because if, if Carolina has to ask love Davis Baycott to play 35 minutes a night for four straight nights, I don't know if that's going to get the desired result. And we know that Carolina doesn't have the depth that we needed to have this season, but you, if you're going to go on a run, you got to be able to, to manage their, their energy. And so uh, that that's why I think it's important for Carolina to start fast and build a lead that they can play with the rest of the way. And I think the best way to do that is inside out. Um, and then that way, even if you're, you're doing like the old Kendall Marshall stuff where, you know, coach Williams did a really good job of taking him out, well, you know, a minute, two minutes before you would get to that media timeout threshold. And that was a way he would he would get extra rest for him was, yeah, you he would still play 36, 37 minutes. But because he was virtually getting all of his breathers at the right before the media timeouts, 
he was arguably more fresh than had he played, you know, just 32, 33 minutes, but was doing so in, in other different ways. And so um, we've seen Hubert Davis sit Armando Baycott earlier in some games here as of late. Um, I think you got to do it with your backcourt as well. I'd love to see DeMarco Dunn get some more first run off the bench as opposed to Seth Trimble. And I think another guy that I think has really emerged of late that could really help this has been Dontre Styles. I mean, he played some big minutes the other night when Carolina was in foul trouble. And hopefully that earned the trust of, of Coach Davis to to be on the court a little bit more often. And, um, you know, look, you, these coaches have to coach to win the game, but in the back of their minds, like, they also got to know – they, they got to manage their guys if they want to be around here for four days. And so I think that's my, my, my last really thing is, is that Carolina does a lot of things right so they can um, manage the, 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 the game and be able to keep their guys as fresh if they were to advance and take on Virginia in the quarterfinal. Yeah, I, I mean, that, I, I don't know how confident I am in this at that at this point. Um, you know, part of it I know, and we're, we're we hear this all the time. I, I mean, hell, I got yelled at it, you know, from somebody that I was I, I was debating back and forth with um, the other day on this. The the five the five starters, like you, whatever your opinion is of these guys. It, it is what it is. Um, in order for this team to make it to the NCAA tournament, these these they these five guys have to be successful. These are your best five players. Um, and I've said it so many times over and over again that you just don't have the guys off the bench that can give you the one thing that you need, which is scoring. And you desperately need that right now. Because you're not getting that sort of output at times from your starters. But when the guys that, you know, when they come in off the bench, it's even worse. The other night against Duke, they did not score a single legitimate bench point. Because you had, you know, 28 points off the bench. But those were from two guys that would have started the game if it were not senior night. So, you got to have somebody that steps up. And look, the other night. I am not saying anything against Puff Johnson. The fact that he came back into that game, especially after we saw him trying to run it off in the tunnel, uh, I got to be honest, I was shocked that he even came back out. And hopefully that's something that didn't get worse over time. Hopefully he'll be able to play and play a big role for Carolina in this game off the bench. But there's just not a ton of guys off this bench that you can really trust. It really comes down to what are the starters going to do. But with that being said, I agree with you that I think that the two guys, if you're going to look at this bench and hope, you know, hope somebody possibly emerges sort of similar to what we saw uh, in, the, you know, in the tournament and just a little bit before that with Puff Johnson a year ago, it is Dontrez Styles, who I think should play more, especially now, you know, with, with Puff Johnson being, you know, banged up again. I think he's probably the guy that best fits moving forward there as, as that guy that can 
play as a stretch four, especially on the defensive end of the floor that can handle uh, covering out in space like that. Because Jalen Washington, he he's he's not a guy that's going to be able uh, to cover somebody. You know, if you're bringing him in and asking him to play on a stretch four, it's going to be tough. He's also not a guy that can really handle that much inside in the post. Not saying that uh, De- Dontre Styles is the greatest guy in that area either, but uh, we've seen some things from him defensively and rebounding-wise that we really like. And then with DeMarco Dunn, yeah, that's been the guy that's kind of that, that I've kind of been scratching my head with. And I don't really understand why his role has been as inconsistent as it has been since he's returned from injury. Because it felt like, you know, throughout the season that there were moments where he really stepped up. He he, he shot well um, at times from the field. And it, it feels like he's the guy that kind of fits what you need in that backcourt right now. Ideally, if you could find that true point guard, that would be great. We've seen Seth Trimble. Seth Trimble is a freshman point guard in, in the Tar Heel system. Um, he's a guy that right now, uh, doesn't really need to play big minutes. And the thing with him is, and people are going to say this, and they have already, is that, well, we're worried about him possibly transferring. Guys, Seth Trimble came in here knowing that, yeah, while he was trending up and while we were excited about what the future could hold for him here, Seth Trimble's also a guy that probably knew, hey, I could come in and immediately have a huge effect and hit my stride. I could also be a guy that comes in here and has to take some time to develop. So I think that's kind of where he's at right now is that he's going to take some time to develop. Carolina can play him if they, if they have to, but I would not suggest having him out there on the floor for long stretches. They have to find a more consistent rotation though. If they want to find a way to get through this weekend. And if they do get through this weekend, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, because employing this NBA-like rotation that they have been using, it's just not working, and it's definitely not going to work in the NCAA tournament if they get there. There is no ESPN matchup predictor uh, listed right now, so we don't know the percentage that uh, the percentage that Carolina has a chance to win the game. But they do enter the game as a ten-point favorite. Um, according to Caesars Sportsbook, um, so we'll—I'm not going to ask you if they're going to cover or not, but the, the, the we'll just use that as a way to, to base Carolina's chances to win the game. I'll go first. Um, I picked I picked Carolina to win the game because I have Carolina winning the ACC tournament. I picked them to win four games in four days because I'm an idiot. Um, but I also, for some reason, because maybe I am an idiot, still believe that this team can do some big time things, um, this week in Greensboro and still in the NCAA tournament, if they hear their name called on selection Sunday. And so I've got Carolina winning and advancing to the quarterfinals of the 2023 ACC tournament. Yeah. Well, you're talking to a fellow idiot because, I also have Carolina winning the ACC tournament. Um, I just think it's one of those things where we we saw them do it a year ago, and we've been we've been saying it all year that eventually they have to hit their stride, right? Well, maybe this is the time where where 
where they actually do it. I, I don't I, I I don't know. I want to believe that it's going to happen, and I think that uh, with with the draw, I, I think it's it's something that Carolina is capable of because I think there is a path where Carolina could have three really favorable matchups for themselves, three teams that they have beaten so far this year. Um, so I think Carolina gets it done in this one. I think, you know, Quentin Post being a little banged up, whether he plays or not, I think that will definitely help Carolina's chances in this one. But I think it ultimately comes down to Carolina just making shots when they have to. And like I said, and like you said, make it easier on yourself. Get that ball inside. Uh, go after, you know, Quentin Post. I mean, hell, in the first game, you got him in foul trouble. Now this game, uh, you're going to have a guy that's going to be a little bit hobbled coming into this one. Uh, and it should be a, a similar game plan for Carolina. I don't I don't want to see him shoot as many threes as they did in that first game. 29, way too many. Uh, they need to find a way uh, to, you know, be more inside-out oriented in this game. I think they will. And I think Hubert Davis will have his guys motivated as well. People have wanted to say that it's on him for not getting these guys motivated. I find it hard to believe that Hubert, a guy that played for this program, that coached as an assistant for this program, and now has the keys to the program as the head coach, uh, does not has not been pushing and fighting as hard as he possibly can to try to get this team to win games. I think you're going to see a really, really fired up Hubert Davis this entire weekend for however long Carolina is here. And I think you'll see that tomorrow and Carolina will come out and respond to that and get a win. No matter what happens tomorrow night in Greensboro, we'll have you covered on HeelToughBlog.com where you can find a preview of the game as well as a recap uh, as we will have you covered for as long as Carolina is playing in the ACC tournament. We'll have you covered then on Selection Sunday, whether or not Carolina Here's their name called or not. Then, of course, if Carolina competes in the NCAA tournament, the NIT or whatever, we'll have you covered. That's HeelToughBlog.com. That's for the podcast, guys. You know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. But with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that! <laughs>